In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in May of 2022. My name is Donna Blanchard. While we recognize that Mickey Weems is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Hello, Mickey. Howdy. Thank you for having uh, yet another conversation with us. How are you sitting emotionally right now? I'm good because I have coffee. And my usual go-to for, for like making sure that I'm present in these se- sessions. Yeah. I. You know what? I heard the other day that coffee doesn't make you not tired it masks your tiredness and, and, and we heard a big gulp of coffee. oh sorry <laughs> no um, i think that's right hey on this show we have heard your cat use the litter box mm-hmm. <laughs> and a dog i was sitting for uh get up and cause some trouble so your gulp of coffee was very fitting right there okay <laughs> i'm i'm i'm, I'm... Now I'm self-conscious about drinking your coffee. Oh, no, don't, no, don't, uh, don't, not at all. Um, I think I drink, I got to have my coffee every morning. But when I heard that about it, that it doesn't make you not tired. It just masks the fact that you are tired. I thought, oh, I'm okay with that fallacy. <laughs> I'm not going well, to me, what's the difference? I, I guess it made a difference for me because I knew that I wasn't actually that it was fooling me rather than doing, you know, changing something for me. It's fooling me, which I'm still drinking it. Yeah. Um, I thought right now that puts into mind the treatment I have for my high, high blood pressure. The treatment is two different medications. And what it does is it lowers my blood pressure for 24 hours. It doesn't, it's not cure. Mm. Uh, It just addresses the symptoms because the symptoms of high blood pressure will kill you. (laughs) So I'm kind of amazed, you know, take care of the symptoms. Don't worry about the disease. So maybe the same thing with coffee. It takes care of the symptom of fatigue. Yeah. Doesn't get rid of it, but you sure feel like it did. Yeah. Uh, Interesting way to look at it. And you know, that, um, <clears throat> that makes me think about the the treatment that you are choosing as opposed to the tre- treatments that you are not choosing. <clears throat> right. um, did you feel like that was? You said you don't you don't second guess yourself now. Was it a difficult decision to make initially? Not at all. Okay. This is why. Um... Once I, once I realized that my, my pets would be taken care of, my bird and my cat, that was my biggest fear. What's going to happen to them? Do I need to stick around to make sure they're okay? Um, once I, and I found a home for the bird, which really hurt, but it's best that way. Uh, and, and Kit Kat is still with me. She's right over there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that, th- those are my biggest fears. I, and I looked into treatments. I looked into, okay. What, 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 I, what can I use to get rid of it and still keep myself healthy? Not put myself in a situation where my overall physical well-being is compromised in order to keep me alive. Because that was the one alternative I did not want. When my urologist first, uh, first suspected that something was wrong 
and he stuck this uh, rod into my penis up into it and and he said this might be a little bit discomfort um don't be afraid to yell <laughs> and yeah i, I ah yeah because it hurt i mean it hurt like crazy and then he said well we're going to do a biopsy just to make sure to see what kind of cancer to grade the cancer right because he's pretty sure it was cancer and he said we're going to do a biopsy and, and he said yeah we're going to go into your anus <laughs> and puncture in other words you know puncture your um prostate several times in several places in other words enrage my prostate and get it all upset with me and they said don't be surprised if in a couple of days you can't walk I, went, <laughs> I said uh no thank you we're not going to do that and so the the when if you read the the chart it'll tell you that i refused that treatment but what they did was a lymph node right on the side of my neck um was inflamed and they thought, well, it looks like the cancer is there, so we'll take that out. And they took that out, and that was a, yeah, it's much better than going in my anus. <laughs> so, so, yeah, take it from my neck. This is, yeah. Alternative yeah. is much better. And uh, there was no, like, two days deb deb debilitating, you know, pain. Uh, and your doctor uh, argues with you still about, do you think he's trying to change your mind or do you think that he has accepted that this is where you are and is supporting you? I think he loves me uh, and he wants me to live. Yeah. So I honor him for that. And I just tell him, sorry. Are you at all concerned that when, are you concerned about changing your mind and battling yourself as you continue on this journey? I, uh, that's a that, that's a good question because it, it it brought up something to me. I don't battle myself on this. I am so comfortable with it. Um, and part of that goes back to the you know the experiences I had when I was lost to sea, and that voice told me whether I lived or died, everything was going to be fine. And other spiritual experiences I've had, um, where I have spoken with the dead. I spoke with my father after he died, um, where these amazing things have happened to where. Um, I don't that it's 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 an adventure that I'm looking forward to. Oh, by the way, we should tell people the treatments that I am accepting are palliative. And those palliative treatments are targeted radiation, where if the bones are being compromised, they will hit the cancer with x-rays. And that slows down their growth uh, to keep my bones from cracking. And the other uh, uh, treatment is once a month, I get an exgiva shot and I probably I think I explained this in an earlier podcast that this is like miraculous um, monoclonal antibody that transports calcium to the places where it's being depleted. And so far that has worked, you know, knock on wood, that has worked swimmingly. That's a miracle. I think it is. Are there any I, I vaguely remember watching the Farrah Fawcett documentary about her treatment and she went to Sweden for something. Have you thought about reaching out to other forms of care and uh, treatment? There was a vaccine for prostate cancer that was developed in Cuba. So I talked to some friends of mine that have connections with Cuba about going. You know, let's check it out. But then I learned about it, and it was not what I thought it was. It was including all of the other stuff that I didn't want. Um, mm -hmm. And it was not as 
as set in stone as I thought it was. Um, and I could be wrong also because COVID hit and Cuba shut down. Nobody could go in and out at that oh. time. So um, that's fine. Uh, uh, there's only a significant, there's only a, a certain percentage that get to do it. And I think I'm past the age limit that they have for it. And so, you know, I did my due diligence. I looked into it. I thought, okay, what can I do? What's available to me? For me still to keep my in, my bodily integrity. I mean, I do have my ethical integrity, right? But there's bodily integrity too. That I, I, I made a deal with this body to make it as healthy as I possibly could um, and as strong as I possibly could. And I'm going to continue honoring that. Let's talk about your mind. And I okay. say this um, because I have recently, uh, I'm going through some treatment for depression that dealing with some stuff that um i i didn't learn how to deal with when i was growing up so i stuffed it down i'm dealing with it now and i'm finding some crazy things happening physiologically that are surprising me like brain fog uh shortened attention span um and uh, fatigue, the, the, those sorts of things that are interfering with my cognitive function. Where are you? So, and it surprised me all along the way that something emotional could affect me so physically. You've got something physically affecting you. How is that? How are you reacting emotionally and mentally to that? Along with the physical weakness and fatigue, there's also a lack uh, or a, 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 a lessening of my scholarly abilities, which at first really bothered me because of my kuleana, my responsibility has always been to be a scholar and to write things to help people, you know, to, to, to advance the, 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 the state of knowledge in the world, right? And that is no longer an option. All I can do is edit the stuff that I've already written. There's going to be nothing really new coming from me in terms of an academic publication that is beyond me now. So it's, it's, it's like me running a mile. No, that, that's, that's gone. But because of attention span or actual ability for, to hold a, a deep train of thought. Both. Okay. I think part of it's like I'm, I'm, I'm taking naps constantly. So there's a disruption throughout the uh, yeah. day of the mental process. Yeah. What are some of the academic articles that you have written? Can we well, just get, the, okay. give us a flavor of it? Sure. I wrote the book on the, called The Fierce Tribe about circuit parties and masculinity and men dancing and uh, the gay male community. That's, that's my magnus, magnum opus. I've written uh, an article on, uh, called Tasers to the Nats. Oh. <laughs> what was that <laughs> it, it's about uh um um queer identity in the military gay male identity in the military um i've written another actually an entire book um or edited with some people a book called um hunting with cats What's and it's that? about yeah hunting with cats and it's about um communitas the bonding that people have when they when all the barriers between them fall and I give examples from different cultures of how communitas can work, but how when we talk about it in each cultural context, you cannot lump them together because they're all radically different in the way it's expressed. Like one is from Brazil, Afri African Brazilian religion. Another one 
is from the US military with Pat Tillman. Um, another one is Julian of Norwich, um, the medieval saint. Um, um, Shada Devi, the wife of Ramakrishna in India. Um, those and, ones I can think of off the top of my head. And, and this is, uh, say that again, what, uh, what the theory is, com- community building? Uh, communitas. It's a theory put, to, put, uh, put forth by Edith and Victor Turner, uh, anthropologists. Okay. Um, I met Edith or Edie, as she liked to be called, who was just an absolutely wonderful person. Just, she seemed to accept the entire human universe. Um, and I know her son, Rory, who's a, who's a great scholar on, on, his, on his own. Um, so I, I, I do try to reflect, I try to stay faithful to what I learned from Edith Turner and what I read from her husband, Victor Turner, and the conversations I've had from, uh, with Rory himself. The, the the living the living biological legacy of the Turners and, and their their uh, um, efforts to promote communitas. I don't understand what communitas is. Okay, um, Victor Turner actually came up with the idea, and he doesn't write about this. I write about this actually in that book, Hunting with Cats. Uh, he he came he came up with it when he was a conscientious objector during World War II. He refused to fight for the British. So they put him in, you know, the, the conscientious objectors were put to work. He's part of their core, right? And he volunteered to be on the bomb squad. So they would go and they would defuse bombs that would be dropped in London and other places by the Nazis. So it was the bond that formed with him and the men with him that every time they went to a job, they could all get blown to bits. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, Okay. So there's a bond that occurred because all, all the unimportant stuff just disappears when you're in a state of communitas. Um, if I can make a comparison to my friends who work on submarines, I have Navy friends who are submarine people. And these guys are kind of amazing because, you know, they, they live right, right next to each other, like for days and days and days. Right. So they had one of them said they had something called the five dive. That's what he called it. Not everybody calls it the same thing, but it's apparently something that sub- submarine people, submarine guys talk about, which is basically um, the five guys who you would want to anally penetrate before you died. <laughs> I just found that hilarious. <laughs> and, and I was talking to a couple of them, uh, a, couple, a couple of submarine guys um, at, at my after hours. One of them was straight and one of them was gay. They said, oh yeah. And they, they both agreed that the vanilla gorilla was the one guy that they would all want to do. I said, the vanilla gorilla. I said, yeah, this big blonde guy. Everybody wanted it. So I, <laughs> I, yeah, just I just don't understand men, straight men, gay men. <laughs> I just don't understand. But I do. Okay. What you're talking about with communitas in the mm-hmm. theater world, that's what we go through with every show. There's trials yeah. and tribulations and there's struggle and there's common goal and there's uh build up and a peak and a descent yeah and there's okay. a bonding there's a a recognition of you actually see each other yeah and status falls apart status and, no longer matters yeah and you have to support each other yeah well uh, what a beautiful mind you have there mickey weems 
<laughs> well, you should meet Edith Turner. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Uh, we'll do the next podcast with her. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit. Um, uh, let's let, let's oh by the talk- way edith has passed <laughs> oh <I> mention that. <laughs> well but hey you know, she'll be in spirit but in go the ahead. next in the next realm mm. um so as you are um getting uh ha- having a little more trouble with cognitive function th- th- that's the crux that i that i really wonder about is if your your body is still doing great. Let's say you're still going to the gym, you're still bench pressing 300. I don't know. I don't oh, know if that's God willing. Re- yes, reasonable. I would number. love it if that happens. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're doing that, but you're getting a little more foggy. Yeah, that's the question of competency that I that I feel like. Oh, I, from, I, from the doctor's note, he is still competent. Yeah. Right, and the doctor's note when it talks about my um, actually, should I read it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, if you wouldn't mind. So uh, just we talked yeah. about this in the last episode. Mickey um, shared with us his uh, the most recent paperwork from your most recent visit. And one of the things that they noted on there was he is competent to make this decision. Yes. Um, patient is a resident, I'm quoting directly from the, from the document. Patient is a resident of Hawaii. Has, term- has a terminal cancer with a prognosis of six months or less, is competent to make decisions for himself. Yeah. So, go ahead. So at one, will there, have, have you discussed with your doctor or thought about yourself, is there going to be a moment when you are not competent, but you haven't employed the blue bag yet? If I started approaching that, because I've seen people go into that state and I, my father, for example, swore he would never go into that, but he ended up because once he, he didn't want to, he promised my mother that he would not die before her. So even though he was ready to go, he chose not to. And I honor him for that. And my mother was pissed at him. (laughs) I mean, talk about words of love. Because I was talking to her and I called her up and she, she and she said my name and when she said my name it was it was so beautiful she said it was such love, um, and uh, and I asked her how she's doing she said, your father left me, because <laughs> oh. he had died first, she was pissed but I I thought in the back of my mind how much she loved him, because she really didn't want to go on without him and she died within just a couple of months after he did not not that long. Oh God, that is so beautiful when that happens. Yeah. You know, you hear about that a, a lot with with couples who've been together for so long. Well, I've told you what when my father came to me, right? In the in my sleep. No. Okay. Um, just I had a dream that my father came to me in my sleep. And it was one of those lucid dreams where I thought, okay, there's something going on here because I know I'm asleep, but that's my father. And he was talking to me and he said. He said, tell your mom, tell your mother, it's okay. Hmm. So uh, I did. In my sleep, I I said, mom, you know, um, let go. Go ahead. Go go, go see daddy. You know, it's okay. Because she had been, 
she had the misunderstanding that any kind of desire to go to the next world was wrong. That as a Catholic woman, as a Catholic person, she was obliged to live as long as possible, no matter what kind of pain she went through. Which, yeah, that angers me. Yeah. Um, and so I told her, no, it's okay. Go, go see daddy. Fine. Um, when I woke up, I got the phone call that she had passed. Wow. What an amazing experience for you to have had. And also a, a great answer to the question that, that you can tell yourself it's okay. You can go when yeah. that time comes. Because um, as you know, one of the big things, one of my big macho things is I, I do not want to be a burden. I do not want to be in a wheelchair. I do not want to be incapacitated past a certain point. And you know, I'm already, I'm already, you know, I'm, I know that I'm not that not as strong as I used to be, but I can still walk. I can still go to the gym. I can still dance. Yeah. So I guess that those are my, my <laughs> the fairly easy benchmarks, right? They're easy benchmarks. But you know what? If you had been in an accident 10 years ago and had to be in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. you would be awesome in a wheelchair i have no doubt wheelies baby yeah yeah you would be the guy popping wheelies that down the hall and um getting even bigger (laughs) (laughs) up top because um you 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 would just make that happen i i have no doubt about that i um we just have a couple oh shoot we just have one minute left can we talk about hugs really quickly um we can set it up for the next one okay because a minute is not enough time to tell the story i don't think oh um i found out friday that hugs are magic and so stay tuned for the next Uh, episode hugs find out why man uh throughout the last two years of pandemic hugs (laughs) have been yeah they've become uh not not optional you know not even an option i always thought i felt it was strange when i moved to hawaii having come from a place where you hug or you shake hands and then coming here where people will go in for something and i don't know what it is and here i am pressing my front side up against them when that's not what they were expecting maybe all mm-hmm. right we're, we're going to talk about hugs in the next episode thank you very much Mickey. sure Aloha. good talking to you I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying.